Welcome. You've splash landed into this Prosecco-laden podcast, straight into the woo-woo pool with the crew of OMG. We're just a simple group of tragically imperfect and highly empathic BFFs, exploring a wide range of atypical topics with humor, grace, and curiosity. This is OMG.
drinking immediately became something to stop feeling altogether. And so that progressed like a giant snowball and then turned into an avalanche. And it did not end well for me. I personally identify myself as an alcoholic. And so before I quit drinking, I had that revelation. It's like, okay, so now I know I'm an alcoholic. This is fine. Like, I can just roll with it now. Like, I've got it all under control because I accept that. I thought that I would be fine recognizing that I I was an alcoholic. I accepted that and continued to drink on. But I actually ended up being in a relationship for about five years by the end of it. And it started getting abusive when alcohol was involved. And so instead of, you know, being any kind of rational person, like a lot of people, when you get in an abusive relationship, you start to justify that behavior and then you feel stuck. And then you get to the point where the emotional abuse has convinced you that, you know, you're broken and all these things are wrong with you and you're the crazy one. So of course I stayed like so many do when they're stuck and it ended up causing me to get in a car accident. And in 2015, my partner knocked me unconscious and we got into a car accident and she died. So I quit drinking, obviously, the day of the accident. She was in the hospital for three days before she passed away. And I went to prison. So I actually met Allison when I was on my last bender. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) Yeah, when I was on my last bender, that's actually how I met Allison, was in my last group of friends in my partying days. Um, Because I had a set date for when I started my sentence. And so... My last beer was the day before I took my plea. And I was like, well, I didn't even finish my beer. I was like, whatever. Like, it starts tomorrow. I know that it's over. And if I'm going to go 18 months without drinking, I might as well just keep this up. And so March 8th, I will have six years if I make it. So Congratulations. That's Congratulations. awesome. That's crazy amazing. that it's been so, that long. Can I ask you how old you were whenever you had your first drink? About 14 or 15. Wow. No, my mom actually gave me my first drink. <laughs> Yeah, she wanted to be with a cool mom, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Does alcoholism run in your family? Uh, Yes, it does. From the stories I've heard, my dad's dad had a serious drinking problem. Mm -hmm. My dad definitely had a serious drinking problem, and my mom still currently does. Okay. So, I mean, that's my perspective, that they're all serious drinking problems, nonetheless. Right. How about for you, Cecilia? Would you say that you have a family history of alcoholism mm -hmm, absolutely it was very normalized in my Mm -hmm. family it was very much so I wouldn't say the word alcoholic there was my uncle was an alcoholic and that was like he would drink a half a gallon of vodka a day so no one else in my family was an alcoholic you know he had a drinking problem but you know my dad is Mm -hmm. and everyone you know a lot of my other family members are just kind of in denial as I was Mm -hmm. it was just normal I was raised Catholic you know, Catholics tend to drink, you know, every single night. It was just literally so normalized. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, it's so like a lot of unspoken alcoholics in my family. So alcoholism does run in my family, though. So I guess that's sort of like it sounds like a trend sort of on, with both of your families, Brittany and Cecilia. Uh, well, that's my family because I'm related to you guys. Um, <laughs> but do you notice now that you are on your path to sobriety like a I guess like things that you didn't necessarily notice before with family members, like that when you were part of it or when you were drinking that really wasn't brought to your attention in the same way that it is now that you've kind of like stepped out and can see it from a different perspective. If that makes sense. Yes. So for me, I had to do whenever I quit drinking, of course, you know, 
you drink a lot of times to cover up some emotions. Mm -hmm. And that was my case from the time I was in high school until just a year and a half ago. My mom passed away when I was eight of cancer. And I think we all really, really repressed that. So a lot of those emotions came up whenever I just couldn't mask it anymore because it was repressed my entire life. So that's something that I've been working on personally. And now from kind of being able to see it from an outsider's perspective, looking at, um, you know, my dad, like what he went through and now that he's still repressing it with alcohol, it really, it pains me to see him like that because Mm -hmm. I just know that he, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I look at it, you know, just with other family members as well. It's interesting though, but it's really nice to have just such a clear vision on, okay, this is what happened. Now I'm able to process it and I'm able to move on. Mm -hmm. Totally. for you, Brittany? Oh yeah. That's scary. Like my dad is a weird person is what I always refer to him as because not too long before I went to prison, he literally just decided that he was going to quit drinking and was just done with it. And he's got like seven years sober now. He doesn't go to meetings. Like he just decided he was done. He was mm-hmm. over it. And he just quit like that. It's like, okay, like that magic. I don't know what you do. Love that journey for you. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to do that, but right. it did not work like that for me. But my mom, it's really scary. You know, there's, there's some, serious drinking and some of my family. And then ironically enough, when I got sober, like all of my dad's side started drinking, like all the people Mm -hmm. who used to give my dad hell for drinking, all drink now, which pissed me off. (laughs) But um, yeah, my mom is probably the scariest, especially like drinking and driving and stuff, because what happened to me, it's really hard to see someone I care about so much, like putting themselves in risky situations Mm -hmm. and I can't do anything about it. And I recognize where my boundaries and limitations are. And so it makes it really difficult to try to figure out how to maneuver that because I can't make her stop drinking. I can't make her realize any situation except Mm -hmm. for the way that she sees it. And so it's, it's tricky and it's really scary actually for me. Um, Cause there's no, I mean, not that they're ever going to see this, but there are some family members that have serious drinking issues that I don't care about. So like if you do you, that's your, that's fine. You be that way. I don't really care one way or another, but for people like my mom, it really makes a difference and it matters. And it's very scary. And there's a lot of prayer and meditation involved in that Mm -hmm. one. So yeah, I definitely notice a lot more. I also notice how much more obnoxious people that drink are. Like, I realized why I drank so much when I was with you, because you were annoying. <laughs> yeah, so I definitely recognize things a lot different. So yeah. And I think speaking to you, like the prayer and meditation that you mentioned um, for some cases um, of people in your life kind of brings me to my next question. Do you guys have like specific tools that you find kind of helpful to, um, to call upon, like prayer or meditation or breath work or working with spirit guides or hypnotherapy, journaling, like anything? when like situations become difficult or when you sort of feel like a a craving come on, if you still have those or um, like, what are the the sort of tools that you guys use to kind of help you through those sorts of situations? Yeah. I think, you know, you'll have a craving. I don't think that's ever, ever going to end. It's really, and I actually still bartend some, (laughs) which is kind of crazy. I'm like around alcohol. I just, you know, i never thought I had the strength to, I never thought I was personally strong enough and had the willpower to go without alcohol. So it's kind of like 
you know, realizing, wow, I am the strong individual that I did not think I was and learning that I'm capable of so much more. And that has played into my life in so many other ways since getting sober. Because now I'm like, wow, I'm strong enough. And you're you're feeding yourself with these good thoughts, these growing thoughts Mm -hmm. that you weren't once doing that. You were just like, you know, really, really just like hindering your spirit and just taking yourself down notches and notches and notches. Every time you had a drink, it was just, it lowers your vibration. It can, you know, especially any kind of substance abuse can lower your vibration. But just, sorry, I feel like I kind of just went on and didn't actually answer that question. (laughs) But um, really to answer that question, the best thing that's helped me is just a method called play the tape. So basically, whenever you think about, you know, I really am just like craving a mimosa right now. I'm just craving like, you know, I just want a beer. It's been a long day. You just think, okay, I'm going to have that beer then I'm going to have another beer. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to either cry or call someone and just like talk a bunch of random mimbo jumbo to them. I'm going to somehow embarrass myself because I've done that in the past. And then I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to have a a hangover. I'm going to have a headache. I might even call out of work. Just think about, you know, worst possible scenarios. And it's like, no, I'm not, you know, what I'm missing really is the ritual. It's the ritual of having a nice glass mm-hmm. of pouring yourself something that looks pretty because I always love buying wine that like looked like a nice bottle, pouring yourself something nice and just sitting down and relaxing. I think that's what I'm truly missing whenever I feel like I'm craving something. Mm, that ritual. I like that. I've never thought about that before. It's the same for me. It's the ritual yeah. of like doing something for myself mm-hmm. too. That has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And looking at like wine, for example, is like self-care. Yeah. I definitely have that. Yeah. That right. Is, that's an aha moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Do you mm-hmm. have any tools, Brittany? That um, as far as tools, I run with a very sober crowd of people. So yeah. essentially we have quite a few tools that come with that program. Right. But outside of that, I'm drawn to nature the most. Mm-hmm. I have been since I was a kid and especially in my sobriety. That's helped me a lot. Like a couple of years ago, for example, I've always been like my soul is deeply rooted in nature. Mm-hmm. And so everything involving the energy of nature and being outside, everything to do with outdoors. Like if I'm freaking out, I go plant my feet in the ground barefoot. Like a couple of years ago, like I have always dreamed of being this like super fancy gardener. And so like I thought like that there was an energetic shift like about a year and a half ago And I was just like, this is it. This is my time. Buy these plants. You will make them live. And I've been able to do that. Like it was literally just an energetic shift. And I've been able to keep so many plants alive and bring plants that were like on sale for a dollar at Walmart because they were like sunburnt and stuff. And I looked up all the research on how to fix them and stuff. And so like bringing new life and bringing life back to things helps me recharge a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I do pray. I pray to nature, to mother nature and the moon, especially. And I mine doesn't ever shut up enough for meditation and so like I try but even that like my meditation is just like going and sitting in a storm and absorbing the rain like mm-hmm. it, it definitely just looks different um all of my tools are really like involved with nature yeah and you know finding a way to replenish the earth or connect directly to it I do a lot of like energetic exchange where I'll go outside and like really focus on like releasing my negative energy Mm -hmm. in exchange with the earth and trying to replace my chaos with myself. 
because of the community I'm a part of, I have like a sponsor. And so like when I'm craving a drink and stuff, like I typically will call her or somebody else in my network. And I definitely had to recognize too, like what it was that was the problem when I was craving that drink is like not being balanced with myself. Cause like I said earlier, when I drank, it was to avoid the feelings. And so I was like, okay, what am I trying to avoid? A lot of self-awareness comes in it with me. And so that is so much work. That is so much work on myself. You know, like a lot of it is shadow work and really trying to address like all the stuff that's going on in here. And I use all of that. Like I try to do research and learn new things about the way that my mind works, involvement of myself so that I can build more tools to get through it. Because even with almost six years sober, there are definitely days where I'm like, I want to drink today. You know, like this sucks. I don't want to deal with life. Mm -hmm. I have to find a way around that. Like I'll just sit and cry on the phone with someone now instead of obviously going to take a drink. But I I accept those tears now. So it definitely looks a lot better than it used to. For sure. Which I think is so commendable. I mean, there um, was another podcast I think I was listening to recently talking about like substance abuse and sobriety. And she was like, you know, sobriety is one of those things that you wake up every single day. And even if you don't like think about it in this way, like you're fighting a battle and you're choosing to continue that fight and no one really gets praised for it. Like 500 days of sobriety or six years. Like in my mind, I'm like, what the hell? You know, like that's amazing. 23 days for chronic life, you know? Brenda was like, I've been drinking for 15 years straight minus pregnancies. Honey, I've never been pregnant. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm still, you know. So I think that's really wonderful and that you both should feel very proud of yourselves and very strong. Thanks. Thank yeah, you. I'm Brittany. Yeah, actually, I there's quite a few like social media people that I follow that have like chosen sobriety and stuff. And if you think about it, like anyone that you know that chooses not to drink, whether it's for dry January or in general, like us that just decided there are lots of hardcore drugs that like, oh, I stopped smoking crack. You're not going to ask that person why. <laughs> right. If you quit drinking or you choose not to drink people. Oh, why? Yeah. Why can't you drink? Or, oh, can't you control it? Oh, there's not a problem. There is so much pushback, mm-hmm. especially yeah. with alcohol, because it is so pushed and so mainstream and so accepted and justified for every occasion and yeah. every reason under the sun. And so it gives the most, like, re- you get the most resistance when Absolutely. you quit drinking. Because if other people are doing hardcore drugs and they quit, you do not ask them why. Right. Right. Do not say that it's they can pretty control obvious. themselves. Like, yeah. yeah, of course you quit. You needed to. Yeah, like people. <laughs> but like, with oh, alcohol, okay. no one talks about that it's addictive. Mm-hmm. No one. I feel like maybe that was talked about in like my health class in high school, and then it was just like, okay, like now it's just like you just control yourself like everyone else. And it's like <laughs> if you're predisposition, you know, you have that in your family predisposition to alcoholism. It literally, whether you're drinking or not, it's kind of a battle to balance that. Mm-hmm. So honestly. For me, sobriety is easier than just being in moderation because I mm. have tried the moderation route. And to me, it's just like, might as well just not drink. Yeah. Wow. It's really funny that you guys are talking about that because I went by a birthday card for my daughter who has had substance abuse problems. And every card I picked up was like, have a glass of wine for your birthday. Mm-hmm. Everything had freaking oh wine God. on it. And I was like, don't they make cards that are just like normal right. that I never have been aware of it before? Cause I probably would have bought that before, but I was like, I don't want to put that in front of her. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's so normalized in our society. Mm-hmm. Right? And unlike, you know, like harder drugs, for example, like you, 
you can just go to the store or mm-hmm. to a restaurant mm-hmm. or to your refrigerator or whatever. Like it's, it's so accessible. And so I feel like this seems like a good place to stop and take a break real quick. And then we'll come back with the next topic. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right. Another question that I have for you guys, and maybe this can lend itself to some stories, I'm sure, from experiences that you guys have. But I have a friend who has battled with addiction, not just alcohol, but harder drugs, and um, has gone to rehab and lived in a halfway house for a while and has a totally different perspective on sobriety than like I do, right? And so we were at a coworker's house recently, and we all had a couple glasses of wine and we're just sitting around talking. And um, she sort of was going to open up, I think, a little bit about her history with addiction because the the topic of addiction had come up like in each other's families and whatever. And so she's like, yeah, you know, it's a long story and I'm feeling kind of vulnerable. So maybe I'll get into it the next time we're together. But, you know, I have a long history of addiction. And two of the people that we were with were like, oh, I know exactly what you mean. So it's sort of like, even though it was well-intentioned, like I know they didn't mean harm by it, it sort of either shut down her conversation or kind of projected it back onto themselves, like where, oh, I totally understand your addiction to crack, for example, right? Not that that was what she used, but, you know, but because I have four beers a night, right? And not, I know that those are different, but I guess my my question is, is there anything that either of you wish that people knew or could say to you or do to be supportive on your path to sobriety? So I guess I'll go first. So this is Cecilia. Uh, Just a funny story that I thought about whenever you asked that question, the first thing that came to mind was my rock bottom that I hit where I told, I called my stepmom and my dad and I said, I'm an alcoholic, you know, kind of like I need help. Like I'm desperate, you know, my stepmom was with me later that day. And I kind of was just opening up to like, you know, I was hiding it. I was doing that, you know, things that no one knew I was opening up to her. And she was just like, I've never had that problem before. All right, this is the woman that you know who drinks a half a box, not a bottle, half a box of wine a night and blacks out most every single night. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, for you to like gaslight me, <laughs> to be like, like, you know, you can't relate what, whatsoever. Like, all right, okay, cool. Thank you're you. sober enough to self-reflect, honey. Yeah, you know? I mean, really, really. So it's just like, you can't, I did learn, you can't expect people to act, react, the exact way that you want them, which I guess is just life in general. <laughs> and it took me a little while to learn that. But, you know, honestly, really what I wish people knew is just kind of like when to stick their foot in their mouth and then when to talk. I think sometimes my, I've like been in the room with people that are like, this is my sober friend. And it's like, just because you're a little bit different. <laughs> wow. uh, that was with, well, that doesn't define me. Just like, you know, it's just something that I personally have chosen. I really don't identify. I mean, like, I feel like whenever people meet me, that's something that 
they might found, find out about me like way later on, you know, it's just wow. not like the first thing that comes to mind. This is my tokens. They were friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She loves the joke. This is my asshole friend. Apparently. Like, I would have <laughs> so it's just like, you know, it's, I, it's just, it is what it is, but, um, a lot of people, you know, or well, really the only time was the time I was like, okay, you're kind of sucking your foot in your mouth about this or, my dad is really bad about bringing up sometimes when I was drinking and I have worked with a therapist on this. Shout that, out Wanda. Shout out Ms. Wanda. I love you. <laughs> I gotta have a good therapist while going through this. I mean, that's, that saved me for sure. But, you know, I think it could be, it's just, I never want to hear about something I did in active addiction. And, you know, living in that past or really being reminded of something that you did in that past is just so makes you just want to be like the teeniest, smallest person and just like, like literally like dipped into a hole, you know, it's just like, it's, it's something that I feel like that's my past and this is my future. And, you know, this is my present and this is my future and that's all I'm going to focus on. But whenever people bring up the past, it's just so it just, it gives me like cold chills. It's just embarrassing. You know, there's times and they even might even talk about, oh, that was like so funny. Like, do you remember that? Da, da, da. And I'm like, yeah, it's just like, it's embarrassing. You know, that's, that was my past. So maybe if that could help anyone, if you have a friend that, you know, is trying to be sober or, you know, during their sobriety, just like really don't bring up, you know, past, even if you thought it was like funny, you know, and you're like talking about, you know, maybe like be a little bit more mindful about bringing up things that, because you don't really know how they are handling it and processing it. That's great advice. What about you, Brittany? Everything that I'm thinking of, like really just kind of parallels with like, well, my version of like human etiquette anyway. Um, <laughs> like, like having empathy, my best friend, you know, most of the people like either that have heard me speak or share my story or like, like environments like this, like people that know my story obviously know why I don't drink. And so, like, my best friend of the last 15 years, for the first couple years of my sobriety, um, because I was a super huge stoner kid, too. And so, she always was like, I miss smoking with you. And, like, she never understood that that was offensive. Or, like, well, first of all, like, I miss smoking, too. But this is where my life is today, okay? Like, I accept that this is my path now. But, like, having empathy, a lot of people, like, in regards to sobriety, but also in general, don't recognize that like when they try to show that they can relate to you to show empathy, they're really in a way like disregarding whatever you're feeling, whatever you're talking about, whatever you're trying to make a point of, like they don't realize, like you said, like taking the spotlight away from you, like people don't realize that they're doing that. And it really can be more harmful than good. Um, Like a funny story, actually how I eventually literally divine alignment ended up here I was just telling her earlier, she asked if I want a grapefruit juice and she was like, here, you can have some grapefruit juice if you like it. I was like, no, actually, um, I, I, made, vodka. <laughs> <laughs> and I made it 45 days after my car accident without drinking. And I was like hell bent on staying sober. Yeah. And this not friend um, was like, oh, here, I'm drinking grapefruit juice. Do you want to try some? In my mind, I know I don't like grapefruit juice. In my mind, I'm like, okay, this makes no sense. First of all, ew, why are you drinking that? <laughs> Second, like, I don't like grapefruit juice. Why is my the universe, like, telling me, go ahead and try this, knowing in the back of my mind that something was wrong? And it was. It was, like, vodka or something, which was my my demon of choice. 
And so I went on a bender and that eventually is how I met Allison. So I'm thankful for that experience. But I was like, this is vodka. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? And he was like, oh, I don't think that you have a problem with drinking. You just need to learn to control yourself. And I was like, all right, bet. So I went and bought a case of beer the next night and drank for the next nine months. And like stuff like that, like people, you don't have to understand somebody's perspective, respect people's choices, whether it's doing dry January or being sober because you woke up and decided that that's what you wanted to do, or you went through something tragic because everybody believes that they are the exceptions to the rules. And then we become the rules examples are made out of Amen. by having to like, by thinking that we're the exception, like people just need more empathy to understand. And like, you can just say, okay, and I am comfortable with that instead of you say, sharing some story to relate to it. Right. Well, I think people are uncomfortable with it because then yeah. they have to look at themselves yeah. and right. their relationship to alcohol because it is so yeah. normalized. Mm-hmm. So if you're not comfortable with it, then am I? Or, mm-hmm. you know, am I hiding something or covering up something? Or And like in that way of discomfort, like we have a future episode coming where we talk with a guest named Ellie, who's wonderful. And she talks about grief and we talk about like, um, hugging each other, whether it's friends or family or whatever, going through a loss or going through a grieving process and like patting them on the back. And although just like these examples, it may be well intent. Well, first of all, fuck the vodka grape juice, dude. But, <laughs> yeah. but other than that, it might be well intentioned, but that you're sort of saying like, I'm uncomfortable with this and I'm patting you to, to like, let's finish this up. Right. Like go do this at home or whatever. It's like a puppy on the head. Um, exactly. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that just registered me when you were saying that. So, yeah, I think that we have to do this again because mm-hmm. there's a lot more here to talk about. Don't you think so? Absolutely. Would you like to be welcome? You would be welcome to come back. Would you want to come back? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, this is a topic I can talk about for a long time. <laughs> right. <laughs> is there, like, as we close, is there maybe one piece of advice that either of you would give to anyone who might be considering a path to sobriety right now or feels like? You know, those of you listening or watching at home that don't have that community or that network of people of support to kind of help them in that journey. Do you have any advice or anything for those folks? Get on Instagram, Facebook. If you're not comfortable going somewhere in person, of course, there's AA. Don't be afraid of AA. I've been to AA meetings before. They are super welcoming. But even if you just want to take that first step, there are so many Instagram and Facebook accounts that are, you know, for sobriety and just like post your story because you will be amazed how many people will relate to you and also be there for support. That's really been, I um, am on, I will plug the the Facebook group that I'm on. It's (laughs) called Finding Ourselves Sober. It's a private Facebook community. And that has been just my lifeline for, I mean, over a year now. And it actually started with, um, she was just going to kind of support some people in a dry January. And it's really great, like how it's progressed. Now we have like a weekly Zoom meeting that I don't usually have time to be part of. But, you know, you could post whenever you feel a temptation or something. So yeah, social media has been a really growing and great platform for your sobriety journey and for that support. That's awesome. Thanks, Cecilia. What about you, Brittany? As far as social media, literally every platform has access to some kind of sober group. So like like she said, if you're afraid to go in person, find somewhere online. I follow like multiple people on like TikTok that are like super famous and stuff that like talk about their sobriety and stuff, but that's not all that they're about. Like there's literally 
you can Google it and a thousand things will pop up. As far as for people trying to get sober or people trying to support people to get sober, the saddest and hardest truth that I can tell you is that the person's not going to be able to get sober unless they want to do it for themselves. It doesn't matter if they have kids, they have family, they have a life they don't want to lose until they mentally hit that point where they know that they need to do it for themselves. Sadly, it's not likely that it's going to be successful. Um, So whatever version or higher power you pray to, I suggest to do that and just be there. Definitely look into things like enabling to make sure that you're not doing that. But just being there really helps a lot. And, you know, you're never alone. There's social media in every single form. And then there are meetings all over the place all the time even on Zoom now, because from the pandemic, we still have meetings on Zoom and stuff. So there is access to lots of support and help. And like she said, it's very welcoming and you'll never have to be alone again if you don't want to be. So just make sure to remember that because it's very valid. Thank you guys so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having us. For sharing your perspectives. It It was was great. Yes. Thank you all at home for listening. Shout out to the other girls who uh, maybe did not have audio going on today on the podcast for helping (laughs) us with technical difficulties and camera running and times, etc. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll see you guys next time on the G podcast. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Please follow and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. It's so easy to do and such a huge help for us. We appreciate your interactions so much. Want to join us at our table? Make sure to check out our YouTube channel and join our Facebook community. If you've enjoyed this content and wish to support us, take a look at our Patreon page. All information and links will be in our podcast description. Catch you next time. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.